Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. Well, good morning. What's up, guys? We hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts of the Young Adults Today podcast, and it's a joy to journey with you. Um, We are fanatical Mm -hmm. about the faith of the next generation, and joining us today is a returning guest. He was episode number four in September of 2019. As we record, it's September 2023, but what's up? And welcome back, Noah Heron. What an honor to be a returning guest. I remember when this started, and kudos to you guys. That is four years of consistency and faithfulness. And there are a lot of podcast graveyards out there and you guys are not one of them. You guys are just getting started. Come on. We feel that we're just getting started. And you know what? Since uh, about August, September of 2019, every Monday, Mm -hmm. we want to drop new episodes to just help young leaders and people who are passionate about the faith of the next generation start their week off Mm -hmm. strong. And Mm -hmm. Noah, by the way, our guest today and our friend, returning guest, Noah Heron, along with his wife, Maddie, they are the founding mm-hmm. church planters of a brand new church plant last month in uh, Nashville, Tennessee called Way Church. And he's the author of a brand new book, Holy Habits. We'll talk about both here in just a second, but there's tons mm-hmm. happening in our life, um, in your life. Catch us up, man. Tell us about the good news happening with Way Church. Yeah. So we launched Way Church two weeks ago. We've had two Sundays so far, and um, we've seen 56 people give their life to Jesus for the first time, which has been uh, unbelievable. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, just blown our expectations out of the water. We have an amazing, amazing team. Um, people just keep hearing about it and showing up. Like we we had a, a really awesome and big uh, launch Sunday and we were like, okay, it was launch Sunday. You know, we had a lot of friends and family come. Um, it'll probably go down a little bit next week. And this past week we had like 69 first time guests. <laughs> so we're just like, this is, this is incredible. Um, so yeah, it's called Way Church. We're about a mile and a half from downtown Nashville. And uh, the whole kind of the, the saying that we been, have been saying um, for weeks now is where there was no way, there is one now uh, through the person of Jesus. And we are just excited to point to him. That is so exciting. So nothing small happening in your life by any means. Oh my gosh, I love it. And as we're we rejoicing. Say, yes. And thank you for your faithfulness, Noah. Like, We just look at so many people who walk away from not faith, but walk away from a ministry position and they last about three to five years coming out of school, whatever that is and looks like, specifically youth and young adult pastors. So thank you for sticking with it. And you and your lovely bride um, have been nothing to a blessing, I think, to obviously the Nashville area. And you've touched us and some of our friends up here that you know as well. And we know that you also have a passion for young adults, not just people leading people to Christ, but specifically young adults that we're going to lean into with this question. And why do you believe that the faith of the next generation is so vital and pivotal in this day and age? Uh, I mean, I, I think that uh, something I didn't realize when I was in college and, and even the first few years out of college was how much influence you carry during that age of your life. Um, when a 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old goes all in for Jesus, people notice that for sure. Uh, I don't want to minimize that. But when a college student goes all in for Jesus, um, 
it's just it, the impact that it has is just exponential because people look at the time that you're supposed to be in college as this is the time that you should explore. You should have fun. You should do you. You should focus on yourself. Like, uh, And so when they see a college student who's willingly pushing against that narrative and going, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to pursue like my best self. I'm going to actually die to self. I'm not going to spend this time exploring. I'm going to send, I'm going to, uh, spend this time consecrating myself. I'm going to spend this time, uh, growing in intimacy with Jesus. It like everybody takes notice of that because of how different that is to what culture says you should be doing. And so I really wish that I had learned that at a younger age, because I really do think that, um, the next generation has the potential to not just change uh, a few people's lives but by their faith, but change literally the multitudes of people's lives because of the extent of their faith. And I think it all comes back to you just have so much natural influence um, during that stage of your life that you can kind of take for granted if you aren't careful. Mm-hmm. No kidding. I've heard it. Um, just a little bit of research. There's been some studies on when are human brains most impressionable and other than the ages of zero to two there's almost like a prefrontal cortex that Mm. starts developing but also Mm -hmm. you just have like outside of the ages of zero to two it's almost like a rebirth when a high school student transitions to college and that you know Mm. transition into young adulthood the defining decade there's just so much data so much research research that backs up what you were just saying Noah Mm -hmm. of you know this is not only when people are incredibly influential but incredibly Mm -hmm. influenced and so yeah I mean what's on your heart for young leaders uh what's on your heart when you see people in that defining decade of life right now Yeah, I think one of the things that is a temptation at that age is to kind of blend in, go with the flow, just fit in. And um, I would I would speak to that group of people and say, hey, like what like your uniqueness is actually your superpower if you submit it to Jesus. And so instead of just like fitting in, going with the flow, ask God, like, what is he uniquely created you to do and lean into that? Um, The reason why people like. we're five minutes in and I'm about to say the name Elon Musk, but the way that Elon Musk and some of these just uh, polarizing people in the world today who are very successful in different um, fields, the, the way that they've stood out is by not hiding their uniqueness, but actually pursuing it and pushing down on it. And I just think, man, what an amazing opportunity for some young leaders listening, some some young Christians listening instead of like being embarrassed about the thing that makes you unique, push down on it, like pursue it. Like, why did, why did God give you that talent? Why did God give you that passion? Why why did God give you that relationship or that friendship? Um, I I think God probably wants to use it. And if you're worried about fitting in with everybody else, uh, God can't really do much with that. And so I would say um, your uniqueness is your superpower. And then the other thing I would say is all those ideas that you have, uh, those are amazing. That is a strength as well. But it's really like the idea and the trailblazer spirit combined with the willingness and desire to be faithful that will see the fruit that you want to see. So have the ideas, come up with the things, but but don't be a uh, don't be a starter and not a finisher. 
you know, don't, don't be somebody who just comes up with ideas, but, but doesn't um, see them to completion. Be, be somebody who is a person of your word and um, let those unique things about you shine through. And man, God can take those two things alone right there and just use you in a way that you can't, you can't even fathom at this age. I mean, to double down on that thought right there of uniqueness, it's so interesting about how we celebrate success numerically or with growth or the Elon Musks of the world and almost try to replicate it or emulate it and think like, maybe he has all these employees, like maybe he's who we should learn from. (laughs) employee engagement or employee satisfaction or, or leadership, because he's leading a lot Mm. of people, but then you, you talk to people who work at maybe Tesla or X or SpaceX, any of his companies. And and that's not always the case. It's like, he is uniquely brilliant, but I think that God has created people who are pastors, who are shepherds, Mm -hmm. who Mm. even just are leaders that um, care for people. And I think that that's where, if we try to be a, a facsimile or a carbon copy of somebody else, um, we miss mm-hmm. out on the unique attributes and and the ways that we can lead from a sincere, right. authentic, genuine, heartfelt, caring mm-hmm. for others kind of place. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Absolutely. It makes me think of like, I'm a big Elon Musk nerd. Like I just, I'm fascinated. I just think he's such a, a, a unique guy. And uh, I really am praying he's going to accept Jesus and be a member of Way Church and, and uh, fund all of our, our missions. So, um, but if your mission but like, trip is the moon. He might get behind it. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> <I'm just> saying. <laughs> that's so good. Uh, but that just makes me think like, you know, Ford spent, literally hundreds of millions of dollars trying to make electric cars and no one's buying them, mm-hmm. you know? And so that just takes what you're saying. Uh, I know, I know you weren't saying that we all like literally are trying to copy Elon Musk, but, but it's, that just proves your point. It's like, Hey Ford, maybe you should make trucks and uh, take some of these principles that Elon Musk is doing and just apply them to what you're good at and what God, what God's given you and put in your hand instead of trying to make a, a Tesla model X. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think what's comforting, even in this conversation, Noah and Josiah, is the fact that if businesses are trying to be cookie cutter businesses, how much more have we been guilty as Christians being cookie cutter churches or cookie cutter Christians of Mm -hmm. saying, okay, so they're doing this. How do I like, how do I start a young adult ministry? Well, we can share our experience of what God downloaded to us, but that doesn't mean that God's downloading that exact same approach to somebody else. Like even the business aspect of coming in of like, an ethnography study who's like location, location, location. If you've studied business, you know that when you plant or you start something, the location matters. What is your motto? What is your slogan? What do you want to be known for? Like if you could be known for one thing, the rest of your life beyond your years on this earth as a person or a business, what would you want that to be? And I think sometimes we get so guilty of that. And I think we, we can kind of compare, you know, elements of that. And that becomes a habit, right? That's an unholy habit is comparison, right? If we're going to talk about habits, lean into that conversation, even coming up, it's like, whoa, Lord convict me of some unholy habits of thinking, habits of doing habits of habitation, like whatever that is. And I think when you're 18 to 30, even in Josiah's point previously, is he's saying like, you have the ability to be influential and also be influenced and really taking it into account 
what, what's going in and what's coming out of us garbage in garbage out. Like I can influence people, but it might not be in a positive way. It might be in an unholy way. It might be an unholy way. And if you don't know that it's a sin or you don't know that it's not biblical, or you don't know that it's against the word of God, then wow, someone needs to lovingly come in and correct you. And uh, I would love for you to lean into this next segment of, of kind of that alone, like the holy, the holy habits. Um, you have the holy habits book, 10 small decisions that lead to a big life that this just came out. So if you're listening, if you want your copy, we're going to put this in the show notes so you can take a peek, but no, I would just love to hear, like, just share with us the, the message of the overarching theme of your book, as well as what is your hope for the person watching, listening, or going to pick this up and read every page. Yeah. So I wrote the book really out of um, a place of heartbreak because prior to moving to Nashville to start Way Church, um, my wife and I traveled full time uh, as our jobs, just preaching and teaching the gospel at churches, um, conferences, universities, whatever, whoever would have us, we went. And during those three years, there were several events that we would speak at that would have us back every year, um, different churches, different events. And there was this one event in particular, it was like a big youth conference with several thousand um, students. And I gave this invitation at the end of the first year of me speaking there of of repentance and um, just hidden sin that people needed to repent of. And it marked me so clearly because there was actually a a guy, a gentleman that was serving at the conference. It was for high school students, but he was like 25 years old. And um, he was like the first person that I ended up praying with. He came down. um, I had met him before the service and he came down and had this moment of real vulnerability with me sharing um, just some stuff that he'd been struggling with for years And we prayed together. We spent like 10 minutes down in the altar praying together. And he really felt like he had been set free um, in that moment. And so we celebrated and we were, you know, just over the moon, excited and um, spent some more time talking with him. Long story short, I came back the next year, spoke at the same event. And uh, I was so excited to see that that guy again because it just had made such a deep impact on me. And he was there. And um, we talked, only it was not the conversation I thought it was going to be. It was a conversation of um, real despair and heartbreak and um, just defeat of of him going back to the same sin that he thought he'd been set free from. And I left that event just like, I know there's more people like this guy Mm -hmm. who they go to a church service, they go to an event, whatever it is, a conference, a youth camp, whatever. And they have this mountaintop experience with God where they feel like they've been set free. They're finally going to experience the freedom that the Bible talks about that we have in Jesus. And then they go right back to the same uh, enslavement, the same bondage. And I just wrestled with that for several months. I thought about him almost daily, just trying to think like, like, how can I write messages that address that? Because I think like that is what people are struggling with and trying to come to grips with. And I felt like God gave me this word one morning that an encounter with Jesus will set you free, but your habits with Jesus will keep you free. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's it. Because when I look back on my life, I gave my life to Jesus at 21. I was in college. Um, at the time I was, a, I was addicted to pornography. I was a borderline alcoholic and um, I, a bunch of other stuff in my life. But those two things in particular were really kill- like literally killing me. And I remember giving my life to Jesus and thinking, I won't struggle with that anymore because like, that's what the preacher said. Like, I'm about to be set free. 
and I was set free for like two days, you know, <laughs> and, and then I was in the same place that guy was that I just shared the story about. And um, I remember it was almost a year before I was actually set free from pornography. It was, it was a year of, of wrestling with my flesh, a year of reading um, God's word and learning who I was in Christ, a year of up and down prayer life, a year of up and down, um, you know, just relationship with Jesus in general, feeling close to God and far from God. And uh, it's really been spiritual disciplines, holy habits that I think have um, allowed me to take on the mind of Christ and kind of replaced those fleshly desires with holy desires, a old heart for a new heart. Um, and I think that's the part of it. That's not, it's not as, you know, let's face it. It's not as sexy to talk about as mm -hmm. to come down to an altar, get, get set free, have the crazy testimony story. But I think that those stories are few and far between. And the honesty of it is that you're changed by the daily renewing of your minds, by the daily encounter with Jesus, by falling more in love with him over time. And, um, so I wrote this book talking about the 10 habits that, um, I implement on a, on a daily basis or a weekly basis for some of them that I think have produced the most fruit in my life as far as just, um, falling more in love with Jesus. And if you're looking for true freedom, uh, I think this is a great place to start. No, that's so good. I have not read your entire book yet. I've looked and I snuck a peek at all the 10 habits and they're so good. And I would even just want you to lean in maybe a little deeper for the, for the pastor who has mm -hmm. some unholy habits or the mm -hmm. leader who has some unholy habits. Um, but they've had a holy moment. Cause I think we can confuse, like you said, I had a holy moment and that means I'm going to have a holy habit or I'm going to live a holy mm -hmm. life starting now. Yeah. 48 hours later, I'm back at it, you know, or I'm back yeah. in it. And I'm like, yeah. How would you encourage the, the, the leader who's listening, who's wrestling with their own holiness or wrestling with their own habits that maybe aren't God honoring. And I say that to say, because the stats have come out numerous times and different things when it's like, if 70 plus percent of pastors are not reading the word of God daily, if they're not mm -hmm. praying daily, if we look across the congregation, I don't even know what the stat is. I think it's 80 plus percent somewhere in there that men are looking at pornography weekly or yeah. they're addicted or, and I should have done my research before yeah. I even asked this question, but this is just, it was not in the show notes. <laughs> How do we take like the holy moment of our salvation or the holy moment of a calling of, to be a pastor, to be a leader, to be an influencer, to be a person that people look up to, but there's a deep brokenness in all of us. And it looks very different for all of us. Yeah. But how do we go back to not replicating that holy moment, but developing the grit to have that holy habit implemented that's going to truly yeah. save our souls in so many ways? How would you yeah. answer that? There's a lot of things. Yeah. <sighs> well, I I think I think there's a couple uh, quick things that come to mind. I, I think the first is it's, it's really hard to implement a holy habit without holy friendships and people who actually know what's going on in your life. So for the last three years, I've had the same habit or, or the same uh, New Year's resolution. And that's been, I want to get really ripped. Like I want to get, you know, muscles and, and a six pack and all this stuff. And then what happens is for the last three years, by like January 21st, I'm back at Chick-fil-A. I'm no longer eating kale and grass. Like I'm, I'm eating bad stuff. But this year I had the same New Year's resolution 
And um, only this time I did it with three other guys. And I said, guys, we got to keep ourselves accountable. Like we got to start going to the gym together. And now we're in September and I'm still not ripped and I still don't have a six pack, but I am so much healthier than I was any other year of my life. And I don't think it's a coincidence. It's the only time I started it with a group of people with the same goal in mind. And so the first thing I would say is you've got to find some people who have the same goal that you do, uh, the same goal, the same goal of finishing well, of, of being a man of integrity or a woman of integrity, of being a leader that's worth following, being somebody who's pursuing, pursuing and desiring holiness. I think the next thing is um, you got to get good at the ha- the second habit in the book, I, I call it get good at coming home. Uh, it's the habit of repentance. You've, you've got to get good at repenting. Um, I think that we repent our way forward in the kingdom of God. That is literally how you take on the mind of Christ. It is the first step of becoming a leader worth following. If you are not regularly repenting of the sin that's in your life, um, you will get used to the sin that's in your life. And very quickly, the stuff that used to be a red flag in your conscience, you'll just do it without even thinking about it. And so uh, I know that there's a lot of different theological opinions about repentance. Do you need to repent or, or can you just repent one time? And, uh, you know, that's, that's it for the rest of your life. I don't know that we'll ever fully know the answer to that question until we get to heaven. But my whole thing is like, what harm is it going to do for your soul to repent and come back to God and have a vulnerable, honest conversation with him where you say, God, I did this. I know I'm not this, but I did it. Will you take it from me? Will you forgive me? I think that that is is like one of the best things that you could do as a leader is just get good at coming home and returning um, like the prodigal son to the Lord and letting him forgive you and um, just being reminded that that he uh, that he loves you and that he's willing to take the sin from you, but but just keeping it hidden and and dealing with it, um, it's just going to get worse. It's not going to get better. For sure, I love it, man. And I think what we have right now sometimes is a world that is wealthy in experiences that you talked about and impoverished when it comes mm-hmm. to relationships and community mm-hmm. and. We could be swimming in data and information, but starving for wisdom and truth. And I think that's kind of a picture of Mm -hmm. a broad stroke of where we find ourselves in 2023. Um, Love the the differentiation between being set free and kept free. Mm -hmm. And where my mind goes with it, Noah, is... Um, Angela Duckworth and all this research that she's done about spelling bee champions and Olympic Mm -hmm. swimmers and um, uh, cadets from um, the uh, Army Academy and and all of this research. And what she found is that enthusiasm is really common. Hmm. But she said that endurance is really rare. Wow. And so I think for each of us, for all of us, I mean, Mm -hmm. there is these moments that I pray are monuments and I pray that they're add momentum towards the Lord and towards a life of faith and Mm -hmm. towards the future that God has eternity in our heart and a destiny that's purposeful here on earth. And I just, I would love to see listeners and leaders and a generation rise up that has endurance, that has grit, that has staying power, that's held in, mm-hmm. in the keeping power that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just, um, acquisition mm-hmm. into the kingdom of God, but it's retention into the kingdom yeah. of God. And so um, good. 
You know, you're in a season that I, I want to ask you about because um, you're married, you're a dad, you have a lot of the things that maybe a young leader is is looking for or hoping for. And then you're in the middle of not only a book launch, but a church plant. And we're talking about habits and rhythms and disciplines today. But Noah, talk about, I mean, I think of all the adrenaline and dopamine and just <laughs> the, the spiritual mountaintop that you're mm -hmm. in. Um, does it feel like whiplash? Talk about how <laughs> one soul is doing and and kind of your plan moving forward for just mm. staying power that being kept mm, free and, and having yeah. endurance. Yeah. You know, when you were just talking about um, the uh, enthusiasm versus endurance, um, I immediately thought of, uh, of Hebrews 12, you know, um, one of just the, one of my favorite chapters in, in the entire Bible, but um, you know, let us run with perseverance. Uh, I, I think you could throw the word endurance right next to that. You know, let us run mm -hmm. with endurance, the race that's marked before us. But the very next line is fixing our eyes on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, how do you run with endurance and, um, and perseverance? It's by fixing your eyes on Jesus. And the whole point of these like habits, like spiritual disciplines is, is not the habit. Like the, there is no power um, in it, in it of itself of, of praying, right? Like, like if you just said words out loud, like there's no power there. There's no power even of just reading the Bible. The, the point of it is Jesus. Like, like the point of all of these habits is Jesus. Like I'm reading the Bible so that I can fall more in love with Jesus. So I can fall more in love with the Lord so that I can, um, have a better understanding of the Holy spirit and who the Holy spirit is. Like I'm, I'm reading the Bible, but the point of all of it is to fix my eyes on Jesus. And so, um, I just felt led to say that is like these habits, like just doing them, uh, there's no power in that, but, but when it allows us to fix and fall more in love with Jesus, I think that does lead to the endurance and the perseverance that we're talking about and the season of life that, that I'm in, um, I'm so thankful. I, I have really amazing, um, people in my life who've been discipling me, uh, the last few years. And, and one of the guys that has been discipling me, he has four kids and he's just like this guy where you're around him and he just makes you want to be better, uh, in, in a really healthy way, like has a super healthy family. Um, his kids love him. His wife loves him. He's accomplished a ton of amazing things. And, and, um, for the kingdom of God, he has a super successful business. And, and I just remember like we got pregnant with our first, our, our son lion. And I took him to breakfast and I was like, man, I am stressed out. Like I'm excited, but I'm stressed out because I have all these dreams in my heart and all these things that I want to do for the Lord, but I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to balance everything the way that you're balancing everything. And I'll never forget what he said. He was, he got super serious, which he's not like always that serious. And so I, I perked up. He was like, uh, he's like, Noah, you can be as selfish as you want at five o'clock in the morning. And he just stared at me across the table and he was like waiting for me to respond. And I just like, didn't know what to say. And I was like, okay, yeah. And he's like, Noah, you can be as selfish as you want at five o'clock in the morning. So be selfish with the Lord. And that like seems like such a little thing and maybe not a single person listening to this that resonates with, but two years ago, I started getting up at five o'clock in the morning after being someone 
who um, would stay up pretty late and hang out and, you know, waste, waste time late at night doing random stuff. And um, I started being a, a person of discipline. And I look back two years now of almost every single morning, having an hour to an hour and a half with the Lord um, before my wife wakes up, before the kids get up. And I really think that that is what's sustaining me in this season of life. Um, I think that that is the well that I'm drawing from uh, in conversations and leadership for our church. Um, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a book that I read. It, it wasn't a sermon that I heard. It, it wasn't even the amazing mentors that are in my life. It was, it was discipline of meeting with Jesus on a daily basis. And um, I'm so grateful for that. And I, I'm also just a, this is a long answer to your question. I think it's, it's that that's allowing um, me to run right now in this kind of hectic season. But the other piece of it is um, uh, we have a mutual friend, Micah McDonald, who is uh, just one of my favorite people in the world. And one of the things he told me like four years ago was, Noah, you need to have people in your life who can smell your armpits. And um I was like, that is the weirdest thing anyone's ever told me. But I understood what he was saying immediately. He was saying, you need to have people in your life that you're giving full access to yeah. that can uh, that can see the faults in Noah and not just, you know, the stuff that you portray on social media or on a stage. You need to have some people who who they can they can smell the bad stuff. And um, I'm so grateful for community and doing life with people who um have access to my life and can say, Hey, I see this. This is a red flag in your life. You, you should, you should watch that. Or, Hey, I think we need to talk. I heard you say this. And I just want to make sure that that was, you know, the way you intended it or, or whatever. And, and I think the, that combination of things, the, the intimacy with Jesus and people, people smell my armpits. I think mm -hmm. that um, those are some guardrails for anybody listening that, uh, that will help, you know, none of us are above, above temptation none of us are above falling and so as many guardrails as we can have in our lives the better my gosh Good. here's where my mind's at with disciplines um i think that you know you had talked about a well that you're drawing from mm -hmm. in our backyard actually we have a well like underneath our house that we can use and it's this reservoir it's this deep bunk mm -hmm. And I think that habits, disciplines, practices, mm -hmm. they become that well, that deep bucket of that we can draw from in different seasons. And, you know, so much of teaching in church is what to think and, mm -hmm. you know, belief, theology, doctrine, and then what to do, how to behave, practice, um, orthodoxy, orthopraxy. And one of the things this old dead guy named Jonathan Edwards wrote, <laughs> he wrote about, and they nicknamed him the theologian of affections. And I was asking one of our friends, one of our mentors, like, man, he's doing some of this church planting in different parts of the world that um, they're seeing just radically you know, mm -hmm. a, a disciple making movement happening. And I just said so much of it is, is built on orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Like, where is the orthopathos? Where is mm -hmm. the affection? And he goes, well, Josiah, we begin to love what we practice. We begin mm -hmm. to love what we repeat. Yeah, that's right. And I think that, you know, there's, there's friends, you, you tend to call like the same five people with phone calls mm -hmm. and the text, the same people, these are habits. These are to your point on community. Mm -hmm. You tend to get together with the same friends and do life 
right. together. Yeah. And so I want just the listener to evaluate your life. How are your habits? Mm-hmm. Are you stacking? Is there new mm-hmm. levels of or a deeper reservoir that God's calling you to that, uh, that he's encouraging you through Noah, our guest. Mm-hmm. Um, and Noah, I want to segue into something. The listener is a learner. They stuck with us this long, maybe four <laughs> years. They've stuck with us 30, 40 minutes so far, but really they're built by God to break new ground. And mm-hmm. whether it was the gathering at Lee university, the gathering conference, um, mm-hmm. writing a new book, planting way church, talk to the person who's wrestling with some holy discontent. There's a burden that they're almost um, just bothered by. They're just haunted by the the lack of holiness in their generation, or they want to see a a gospel community on their college campus or university. But um, take us to that 21 year old Noah. And if you could tell him anything or the young leader anything about because they are built by God to break new ground how do they do it what's what's (laughs) what's some of maybe your thoughts or ideas things that you've learned about starting things or sustaining things um yeah breaking new ground for the kingdom yeah um I'm going to answer that by quoting this uh this study that came out a couple years ago in the New York Times they polled um it was like a thousand uh, 80 plus year old people. And I asked them, Hey, if you could go back and do one thing differently, what would, what would it be? And the overwhelming majority of those people claimed that they wish they would have taken more risk. Mm-hmm. And that resonates with me so much because I gave my, like I shared earlier, I gave my life to Jesus in, in college. And it was only a couple months into it where I was like, okay, if I really believe this, then like my life is not my own. If I really believe this, then God wants to use me. What am I doing? Why am I waiting? I I, I immediately started looking at the time that I had and going, I'm either going to use this or I'm going to waste this. And so what, like, what can I do right now that would, um, that would be obedience? Like what, what is it right now that I can do with what God's given me in, in my hand? Um, and that's really what's been fueling me ever since. It's like, uh, you know, if if we sit on an idea, we feel like God gives puts something in our heart. I mean, we pray about it, we fast about it, but we're not like waiting around for the stars to align with the moon. It's like, hey, is this a God idea? Like, is this going to give God glory? Is this going to like lead other people to Jesus? Is is this something that's within my capability? Then what, like, what am I waiting for? I don't need another sign. I've got scripture. I, I don't need another power. I've got the Holy spirit. Like, like, let's just, let's do the thing. And so, um, I would say, I, I think the discontentment that you might be feeling right now, listening to this podcast, um, pales in comparison to the discontentment you're going to feel when you're 70, 75, 80 years old, looking back going, what did I do with what God put in my hands? Um, we have this saying in our, in our house and now in our church, Um, that we want to live lives that only God could get the credit for that when people look at our life, when they look at our ministry, when they look at our families, we want them to go, man, the only way that that could have happened is if God actually did that. If God showed up, if God, if God did the heavy lifting. And when I read the Bible, 
Um, the Bible is full of stories who uh, of people who lived like that. And I think that requires a couple of things. It requires you to take big risks. It requires you to be immediately obedient. And um, it requires you to protect your intimacy with the Lord. And if you'll do those three things, I mean, just look out. Like God will uh, move in ways that only he can get the credit for. No, I think that's amazing. I've actually read that study as well, read that stat. And it's staggering to see like how many people wish that they would have taken the risk. And then what I follow mm-hmm. up that question with is this, and asking myself this, and I've Josiah's asked me, we've asked each other this randomly throughout our marriages. If we knew we couldn't fail, what would we, mm-hmm. what would we do? With God, if yeah. God is for us and who can be against us, if he wants a blessing and pour out his blessing upon his children, so good. what in the heck are we waiting for? Like till I turn 50 and then I die at 55 till I retire. Yeah. And then two years later, I'm six feet under and in heaven with Jesus. Like, that's awesome. Yes. To die is gain. To live is gain. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's like, oh, if we could just grasp this concept younger in our life, not at 35, 40, 55 and beyond, but at 21. What legacy do I want to live and leave behind that's going to outlast me, but it's going to impact God's kingdom forever? And I think when we can get, and when that question can penetrate the hearts of the listeners or the young adults that we're leading or the church goers, no matter what age, because I'd say we're never too young to teach and we're never too old to learn, right? So it's it's not too late for the 80 year old who might be tuning in saying like, oh my gosh, like what do I do with my life? It's like, okay, what needs to change that? can make an impact if I have five years or maybe if I have another 50 years, if I knew yeah. I could not fail, what would I do? Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. I think that's a great question to kind of revisit and do a personal inventory of like, have I been stewarding the things that God has given me? What is he giving me in my hand that I have been choosing to use well or choosing to just stare at wondering when I'm going to get more? If I can't use totally. the little thing God's given me, he's not going to trust me with more, right? Yeah, absolutely. I just love that you're able to share that stat. I don't like that stat, but I mean, I think it puts a burning (laughs) in the person who's young saying, wow, I want my life to count. Mm -hmm. And um, no, we have not asked you five questions for almost five years now. Four years ago, we asked you five questions. So we end with a five and five for the audience to kind of lean in, maybe kind of hear and learn a little bit more about you. Are you ready for the challenge? I'm ready. Okay. Here's question number one. Noah, what has God been teaching you lately? Oh, <laughs> man. Um, well, with this church launch, it's, it's, uh, it's been a lot about leadership. And um, I think the main lesson I'm learning is that, uh, that I think I need to empower leaders more. And so um, I, I read, I used to read comic books growing up and, there's a Superman uh, comic uh, book where Superman dies and you think that the crime would go way up when he dies, but it actually goes way down because other people were forced to be Superman. And um, that's what God's been teaching me is like, hey, just because God has given us the vision for Way Church doesn't mean that we have to be the ones that lead every part of the ministry. And so God's really just been challenging me that um, that the kind of the pace that our ministry will grow is at the pace that we're developing and pouring into leaders. Phenomenal lesson right there. And Mm -hmm. what would you say the best advice that you've been given at a young age has been? Oh man. Um, 
when when I first gave my life to Jesus, I, I used to be discipled by a man named Lavar, Lamar Best, who um, is in his 90s now and just one of the most Christ-like men that I've ever met. And um, he just had such a deep, genuine love for the Lord. And when you would get around him, you couldn't help but go, I want to be like this guy. And one day I literally asked him, I was like, hey, like, I want to be like you. Like I, when I'm your age, I, I want my soul to look like yours. And I said, how do I do that? And um, he just, I mean, it's so simple. He was just like, stop trying to love Jesus so much and realize how much Jesus loves you. And I think that's the best advice um, anyone's ever given me. Uh, just focusing on that versus the other um, consequent, consequentially actually leads to you loving Jesus uh, more. And so, yeah, I, I cherish those moments with that man. That's awesome. Well, here's the curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question, what would you ask us today? What is the secret to a four-year podcast? I've tried three different podcasts and none of them have made it longer than a year. So I want to know. <laughs> I got one word. What do you got? Go for it. Okay. I would say one word, consistency on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Because the audience has said that they have, they need, people need something to look forward to. So every Monday they know this podcast is coming. coming. And I think consistency comes with that, but with consistency comes the discipline mm-hmm. and um, making it a habit, making it a habit to make sure it's yeah. on the calendar and working ahead in the process and not mm-hmm. scrambling week by week, but saying, Hey, we have three, four weeks out. We have three, four months out. We know we're having a baby. Awesome. We got to be mindful. So let's get caught awesome. up on some things ahead of time. So we don't get there and hurt four or five months from now and wonder why are we not gaining traction and, and where the listeners go? Because if we're not going to yeah. show up, then they can't listen, you know? So that's what so I would good. do. You got, babe? Oh my gosh. Um, I think consistency, what you said is powerful. Um, I think I was just with a mentor two days ago at lunch and he asked about anything that he's started. He said that the number one question is, is there demand? Like, Mm -hmm. is there an audience? Is there a customer to serve? Is there somebody that we can help and add value to their life? So the demand question, and then do we care enough about Mm -hmm. this that we're willing to like stake our lives at this and give it everything that we've got. And and it's like, if, if it's those things, Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that that's where They're it's at. The practical side is like, man, learning from some of the guys like Kerry Newhoff. Um, he yeah. has an article that like seven things of, of that he's learned through podcasting. And I was surprised reading that of how similar when people ask us, how do you start a podcast? It was almost the like five or six out of the same mm-hmm. things. Like we started um, recording 16 episodes, which was a season at the time. Now we don't really do seasons, yeah. mm-hmm. but we had 16 in the bank, so to speak, before we even wow. published it. But our wow. like how I'm wired, I am super creative when I'm not under a deadline. When I'm under a mm-hmm. deadline, I get a lot of anxiety and stress and it, yep. it's not a good, but, but when I'm like thinking of yesterday, we were brainstorming how could we add the most value ever to somebody in 2024 um, to start their year? That's where our mind is right now. So, and and that's, you know, the third week in September. So I think that starting and then just making a commitment, um, of Mm -hmm. course, batching and like 
yesterday we recorded Fashion, yeah. episodes so <laughs> i think when you can work ahead and some of the things like that but but look like no our life work is we are fanatical about psalm 145 for one generation mm-hmm needs to tell the next of the marvelous deeds of God. So we have to do, whether it's this or other things, like that's what drives us. We're just compelled by that, mm-hmm. the faith of the next generation. And there just isn't a lot of maps and, and yeah. compasses to go alongside, or, you know, to go alongside the word of God to be guides. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. what we want to do. I love it, man. You guys are amazing. Uh, four years is incredible. I like even with all that stuff, it's amazing. Like you're you're the one percent. Oh man, bro! Well, thank so you. encouraging. We're glad we could be here for four years. I'm a words of affirmation person, so I'm ready to go four more years just because you said that. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Okay, back to holy habits. Um, it could be inside the book, outside of the book, but. What's been your newest discipline in your own faith journey with God? Uh, it's been silence, actually. Uh, in the book, I, I talk about it, and um, it was it was one that was a a late comer to uh, to my following Jesus, but it's radically changed the way that I follow Jesus. In fact, um, right before this podcast, uh, I practiced it. I had a twenty minute commute home, and um, on the commute, I was about to pop in my favorite sports podcast. And I was like, you know what? Like, I just need to practice silence for 20 minutes and um, didn't turn the podcast on, just drove in silence. And man, I I just, the amount of times that the Lord has spoken to me when I've chosen to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, My favorite way to practice that habit is on a walk, but where we live right now, it's not super walkable in our current um, neighborhood. But the one we lived in before, I went on at least two walks a day because it just was such a refreshing time with the Lord. No music, no podcast, no conversation. I'm just spending five, 10 minutes walking, um, sometimes praying, sometimes just just listening. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times we pray to God and tell him what's going on with us. And then we hang up the phone and we don't listen to what he wants to say back. And, and silence has been a, a way for me to do that. Question 4.5. What's your favorite sports podcast? Oh man. Um, do you know who Bill, you know who Bill Simmons is? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, he, he was a, he was an old uh, sports writer for ESPN and, and um, he was let go back in like 2010 and started his own network uh, of podcasts and um, sports writing. And he has a lot of the same favorite teams as me. So I listened to his, the Bill Simmons podcast. Let's go. <laughs> Not to be confused with, confused with Richard Simmons, right? Jazz or scything, not to be confused. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Okay, question number five to wrap things up, Noah. If you could leave the listener with one piece of advice, what would you want to advise them today to do or not do? Yeah, I think uh, I'm just really enamored with um, my yeses and my noes right now. And um, I, I would just advise you, Figure out, if you haven't taken the time, what your biggest life priorities are and figure out as many ways as possible to say yes to the things that are backing those priorities and say no to the things that aren't. And the better you can get at that, I think the more effective you'll be in the kingdom of God. I think the more fulfilled you'll be because you'll you'll be doing things that truly matter to you. Like, obviously, this podcast is one for you guys. Like, that's a great example. Um, practically, uh, I just... 
think we live in a world with uh, weapons of mass distraction. And I think a lot of these distractions in people's lives are what, what are ultimately leading to the, uncon- the discontentment, the unfulfillment. Um, and I think, it, I think if you could just get good at figuring out, is this a priority or not? And saying yes to the right things and no to the right things, um, that will go so far in, uh, in every area of life. My gosh, two weeks ago on this podcast, our friend Nick Nelson, he said, saying no takes more faith than saying yes. Yeah. And man, have I found that to be true in my own life. Like um, I just growing up had a high capacity, didn't have to say no a lot. And now we are in a different season of life mm-hmm. where uh, our assignment calls for saying more, more no's and um, it does so good. more faith. And so, man, we're just inspired yeah. by you, Noah. Want to say a great big thanks. We are excited about the launch of Holy Habits mm-hmm. and uh, Way Church. Our friends were there for the opening, uh, I don't know, opening day of the yeah. church. And yeah. great things and hope to come and visit one, one day soon. So if you want to pick up your copy of Holy Habits, you can connect with us on and in the show notes. Thank you so much, Pastor Noah, for joining us and our audience today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adult Street Podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe. We've reviewed and shared this with some